Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 319. If they click through this image, it's going to take them to where they can actually physically buy it. Attention, gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and I love that you're joining me here today. We are entering into a motivating new season. In-person shows are opening up again, and the opportunity to present your product and find new customers in this face-to-face format is finally here. I want to remind you that doing events like craft shows and farmers markets offers great photo and posting opportunities for social media. We talked about this in one of our tips and talk episodes in the podcast just a couple of weeks ago. And I bring this up because you've told me you're discouraged when you don't see any of the time and effort you put into social media moving the needle on your sales. So given the time we're in right now, take this as a changing point to do something different. Putting in more time posting in the same way isn't going to magically bring you results. You need to change the way you're posting and what you're posting. You don't need to put in more work. You need to put in the right work. That's when things will change. If you need some help with this, I've got you covered with the Content for Makers program. Content for Makers will enlighten you as to why your social media activities aren't converting into sales. It will also show you how to put less time in and start seeing activity that will increase your sales. Just imagine a day where you know exactly what to post and to get it done in five minutes or less. Then you can spend your time interacting with potential customers, deepening relationships with those you already know, too. And it builds upon itself naturally. Yes, this is possible. Content for Makers includes a step-by-step strategy to formulating your unique plan based on your business and your products. Then you'll have 375 social media prompts over a full year of ideas. Along with the 375 prompts come 375 image suggestions, so you're not left hanging on the creative. These prompts and image suggestions can be used for all platforms and all types of posting. Images, live streaming, reels, even email direction. But that's not all. Posts aren't going to work if the right people aren't seeing them. So you'll also receive a video and a worksheet on how to choose and use hashtags. This is a way to attract the right people who will become your customers. Most people are doing this wrong. There's more to Content for Makers, too. To see all the details, just jump over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash content for makers. But honestly, at only $27, it's a no-brainer. Why carry on posting as you've been doing all along, expecting different results? Sign up for Content for Makers now and see the transformation of your posting experience change before your very eyes. giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash content for makers. Ready and waiting for your immediate access right now. 
continuing with the conversation about online content. The more I hear about Pinterest, and recently starting and dabbling in this platform for GiftBiz Unwrapped, the more attention I'm giving Pinterest. Honestly, it feels calmer and more rewarding for the time that you put in. You're going to hear why I say this as we get into the show. Oh, and in the background from time to time, you're going to hear little Bailey make an appearance, her very first podcast. Keeping it real and making things happen. That's the way we roll. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Laura Reich. Laura is a Pinterest strategist and helps high-performing business owners and content creators implement content growth plans, outsource their visibility, and steadily grow their monthly revenue, all without tantrums over tech and trading sleep for success. Oh my gosh, is that a breath of fresh air? (laughs) She describes herself as a quirky, spunky social butterfly that values open, honest relationships in every area of her life. She's also the mother of, well, we did say two, but I think it's now three children who are the center of everything. Laura, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, you are correct. We do have three now. (laughs) Yeah, So two boys and a brand new little girl. Yep, that is right. She's about four months old now. So she's going to make her debut with us today. (laughs) So this will be her first podcast appearance, right? It will be, yes. Okay, well, now I want her to say something. (laughs) She probably will. (laughs) One noise here or there along the way will be just fine. Perfect. (laughs) Well, Laura, so I do something a little bit different to kick off our conversation, and that is through a motivational candle and having you describe yourself in that way. So if you could help us envision a candle that you would create yourself that really speaks to who you are. What color would it be and what would be a quote or a saying that would be on your motivational candle? Yeah, absolutely. And I can't tell you how much I love this question because it actually makes you think a little bit. And I think for me, my candle would be a mix of pink and purple. So that fuchsia bright color, just like as in my business colors, really because it's that happy tone and it kind of brings out the joy in everybody. And something that I hold dear to my heart is the fact that we don't have to compete with other people. I feel like I have been put on this path that I'm on to be able to help other people build their empires without losing that sleep over success, like I said, but really not worrying about other people, really focusing on their gifts that they were given and that There's mentors, mentees, collaborations out there, friends out there. Don't focus on the competition or don't focus on feeling judged. I grew up most of my time when I was younger in high school, always feeling like I had to put on a facade or be the best at everything. And it was tiring, to say the least. And so that's really what I want other people to feel when I so-called light this candle for them is joy and the release of feeling like they have to be in competition with everything and just really let their own personality shine through the flicker of that count. It's so true. And I don't think we can always avoid it, but to just put it to the side. Yeah. I so agree with you because it's so freeing 
not to be thinking that way. I kind of think of it for myself as just staying true to the audience that's coming to you for the value that they're getting from you, whether it's a product or a service. Yeah. And just staying total eyes focused on those you're serving and not looking at other people who are potentially doing something similar because they might be offering something kind of similar, but they're not offering it the way you are. Yep, absolutely. And like you said, it's still going to come up. It still comes up for me. I mean, it can come up any day, any month, whatever. But to have it set so that you know how to get over that mindset block and you know that you've released it before, that's really empowering. And to know that person that you're probably maybe feeling intimidated with or you're feeling like they're farther along than you are, so could you ever get to where they are? They probably feel the same way about somebody else too. Yeah. This isn't exclusive to a certain group of people. Everybody has this. Yeah, I actually was super humbled when I was going on a podcast with someone else that I really looked up to. And she was like, I was super nervous to have you on this call because I know how awesome you are. And I was like, are you serious? Thank you. But I was super nervous to come on with you. It's interesting to see everybody's different way that they're processing things. You never know what somebody else is thinking. And so just don't take that for granted. Right. That's so valuable. I love that we got into this conversation. And I'll just share with you, Laura, that I see this a lot in our community here where people want to hold so close to their chest a product that they make, not share too much. And when they Mm -hmm. don't share, then nobody knows about the product. Yeah. So it's kind of self-defeating because if you don't talk about it, how are people going to know about it to buy it? Exactly. Let's face it. We're talking still with candles, so I'm going to stay with the candles here. But you selling candles doesn't mean that someone who loves candles won't buy from multiple people you included. Yeah. You don't only have one special brand of jewelry that you wear. You might have some that you favor more than others, but there's reasons why you like jewelry or candles or whatever it might be, and you buy from multiple places. Yep, absolutely. But it takes some conversation for people to get past that, for sure. Anyway, why don't we dive into the topic at hand here? I've been teasing that you've been coming on, so I know that our listeners are anxious to talk about Pinterest. It's something that we haven't shared too, too much, just a little bit. We've started talking about it a little bit in the way of Pinterest structure and using Pinterest as a platform. And then I've also had a couple of people on who are product makers who do use and see success in Pinterest for their business. But we know that not everyone who's listening right now has heard any of those past episodes either. Yeah. And sometimes it takes you hearing things a couple of times, too, to really understand. Yeah, for sure. But share with me why you narrowed in on Pinterest as being your platform specialty, if you will. Yeah. So I started out years ago as a virtual assistant, and I was kind of doing everything. Back then, I only had one child. We were thinking about planning for our second. And I really kind of felt burnt out. I felt like I wasn't able to connect as deeply with the clients that I was working for as I wanted to, to make that big impact that I really longed for. So I wanted to figure out what really I enjoyed and helped them the most in something that they really didn't have the knowledge in. I had gone to school in the past for graphic design and had a bachelor's in advertising design. 
I started dabbling in different ways that I could use my love for graphic design and fell on Pinterest when it was still invite only back then. Oh my gosh, that's a ways back. <laughs> so you've had a journey with this platform from the beginning. Yeah, I have. I didn't always do it as a service for everyone, but just really for my own personal blog and things that I was working on. I had an MLM company back then I was working with, things like that, that I really focused on, okay, how can I grow these side things for myself while still working with clients? And I found myself actually exponentially growing different things when I really put my focus into the design and Pinterest. So I started to level down to only that. I don't want to put on this charade that it was easy to drop VA. It was back and forth for a few years. I have a couple clients that I still work with today that went through that transition with me. So they can tell you like it was a journey, but I decided that when I started seeing the results for not only my own prerogative on the platform, but also my clients and how it was able to help them and how I felt like I was a piece of the puzzle for their larger message and their impact that they were making. That's really when I was like, okay, this is all I'm going to do. And I've been doing it now for probably six years only doing Pinterest? Well, and honestly, I mean, each of these platforms, and we're going to decide what Pinterest really is. I'm going to let you define that in a second. Yeah. But whether you're talking about a social media platform or a search platform, they've gotten so intricate now, and they keep adding different levels of service. I'm just going to call out Instagram because everyone knows that. Like, there are so many different areas that you can sit in Instagram. It's pretty much mind-blowing. Yeah. So every platform is like that now that you do need to specialize, I think. Yeah. Let's just talk about that specifically. How would you define Pinterest today? Because I know it's changed over the years that you've been working with it. A lot of individuals still define Pinterest as social media, and I think that's where the frustration comes from for most of them when they're not seeing the results that they want. Pinterest is really, should be considered a search feed platform. So think of it like Google, think of it like YouTube. People are going to the platform searching for a solution whether that's a solution to a problem that they are having and they want to do research on it, or whether that's a solution to the newest product that they need in their home or business or on their person. That's what they're doing when they go to the platform. So it's beneficial because they already know that they want this answer or they want this product. They just don't know where to purchase or where to learn more. And that's where Pinterest provides that stepping block for these individuals. We shouldn't be using the platforms in the same way because their purposes are different. One is social media and one is more search. And that also then I think means that the way we interact and as a business, posting on those platforms needs to look different. Yes. So you shouldn't take a post that you're posting on Instagram and just copy it over to Pinterest, right? Correct. I do see people doing that even from like the TikTok videos are now going on to Pinterest and you'll probably still get a little bit of traction with it. But if you really want to see the results that you're looking for in terms of reaching a wider audience and bringing in that traffic and those sales that you're going for, then I definitely would say take some time to research 
more on the platform yourself, what are people searching for? And when they're searching for that thing, what is pulling up, right? And that's something, I mean, we can dive into it too if you want, but I call it pin hacking, really. It's like ClickFunnels and Russell Brunson. He used to always say funnel hacking, like go through somebody else's funnel and try to see how you can improve on it without reinventing the wheel. It's the same thing. If you're selling a piece of jewelry and you go to Pinterest and you search like maybe Mother's Day jewelry or maybe it's an heirloom or something like that, see what type of designs and titles and call to actions pull up on those pins when you search that term for the product that you offer. Then figure out a way to be able to fill in the gaps that those other companies are not able to fill right now so that you can help that individual even further along their purchasing journey. So what I want to do here now, we've made the division between the fact that Facebook, Instagram, all of the social media platforms are different than Pinterest. So we're not going to do any comparison anymore. Now we're going to be focusing just on how to work with the Pinterest platform to get the best results that you possibly can. When we're talking about, you were saying, find out what people are searching for. So you're not able, you know how like in Google, you can pull up and it will suggest other search terms for you. The way I think I'm hearing you talking about this is you pull up what you think people are searching for. You look at the results that are coming up for those searches and then find what information is missing that you can build the value up for that search term. Correct. Yep. And you can actually also get similar search terms when you do that, just like on Google. So what you would do is if you're on your mobile device, there you go. She's making her debut. What's her name? This is Bailey Isabel. Bailey Isabel. I love that. Hi, Bailey. (laughs) Chewing on her toys. She likes what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she does. She's saying, go, mama. Mm -hmm. So when you're on your mobile device, if you look down at the bottom, you'll see the house and then the magnifying glass. And if you tap on the magnifying glass, it'll say search for ideas. This is very similar on a desktop. If you go up to the top right, you'll see that same magnifying glass. And then say if I just type in jewelry, then underneath that, what comes up for me right now is jewelry organizer, jewelry accessories, jewelry making, jewelry patterns. So then it does kind of lead you down that journey of if you are doing something that like maybe you're making a jewelry organizer box, right? And that's your product. Well, then tap on jewelry organizer and go through and then take that next step and see what's pulling up and where you can kind of fill those gaps again. So what type of gaps? Like talking about jewelry organizer, that's perfect because we do have people here who are listening who I know have a similar product that aligns with that. Where would be the gaps? Because if you're saying jewelry organizer, I'm thinking what's coming up are products that are jewelry organizers. Or maybe some articles that talk about how to organize your jewelry? Yeah, so both actually come up for me. You have an Explore tab and a Shop tab. The Explore tab is going to have some of those products listed. But then you're also going to have other articles that pull up. Like one of them for me was beautiful ways to organize your jewelry in a jewelry storage area. 
So then they can talk to like how to be able to store that. And if this was you and you created that article, then in that article, you can link back to the product. You can also go through and look at these product images. And while they're gorgeous, I always suggest telling product-based businesses to A-B test your pins, meaning try two different designs or more to see which works better. Because when I'm looking at these, they're gorgeous, but they don't tell me the information that I need if I'm searching for something. So like we have a mere foldable open cabinet armoire that opens up and has jewelry in it. It doesn't tell me the length. It doesn't tell me the type of wood. It doesn't tell me what type of jewelry organizer this is. There's no like title or call to action or pricing or anything included. And so for me, I keep scrolling. And that's my personal preference. But that would be a gap maybe for somebody else that you would want to test. Like take that product photo, put it up there, but then also take the product photo and have some sort of title or call to action saying like, hang this gorgeous armoire in your bathroom for $30 or whatever it is, so that people understand more and it leads them to click through that image because that's really how you're going to get them to further down the line purchase that item. Okay, so that is the big point is any pin that you put up should include a link so that whoever's looking at it, if they're interested, goes to the next spot, whatever that next spot is for you. Correct. Whether it's a product sale or more information or something like that. Yep, correct. So when you're going through them and you're looking up stuff like that, you'll see Etsy, you'll see Walmart, you'll see small mom and pop Shopify stores, things like that. Some of the articles lead to blogs that are on individual design maker websites. So it really just depends on where you want to lead them. Where are you seeing that return on your time or investment? And what actually makes the most sense for you to lead them down that journey to get them to ultimately hit the goal you want? If it's traffic, great. Tell them what to do. If it's purchasing, then you want to lead them to where they can purchase once you tell them what to do in that image. And this is so different than social media because all the social media sites want you to stay on the platform. Pinterest, it sounds like, is leading you off the platform to further valuable information. Yep. But then you can still go back to the platform and find more and more and more, make your own boards, you know, if you're gathering information. It's just a whole different thing. Absolutely. And that brings up a good point, too. I want to let everybody know that Pinterest is a redirection site, like you just said. That's the term that they give it. So you can search for something and it'll redirect you to where you can purchase. You want to be very careful when you're putting your own links out there. Do not use the shorteners or redirects yourself. Make sure it is the actual URL that you want them to go to. I know a lot of times in social media marketing or blogging, we tend to make the link look pretty by shortening it or make it easy to understand. Mm -hmm. Like a bit.ly link or a pretty link or something like that. Correct. Okay, so why would we not do that? Because those are actually marked as spam because Pinterest is already a redirection site. Mm. They don't like an auto redirection on top of that. Plus, you don't see the URL. 
So even if it's 10 pages long of a URL, they're not going to see that. They only see the pin and the call to action. Oh, that's a really good point, Laura. I've not heard that before. Really, really good. Okay, so as you've been talking, I've been thinking about the two different types of pins that could be done. For people who are listening here, mostly I think we're thinking of product pins. That's my guess. And you've shared this a little bit already is if you're taking a picture of your image and you're putting it up there, then make sure that there's a description and something that makes people relate to it, not just tack, like just you want the specifics, but also who is it best used for? Like, what are the uses or something else so that people really feel like they can relate to it almost as if it were in person? We've talked a lot in the past about when people name their products, that they need to have words that are specific if someone's searching for that product. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that that's the same thing here on Pinterest, that in the description, it should be very, not cutesy fancy, it needs to really say what the product is. Yeah, the biggest thing that I try to teach people is be conversational and tell a story in your description while putting the keywords in there. So not necessarily being cutesy because that's not going to be found in the algorithm, but don't just keyword stuff either. You want to like lead them down that path. Like if we're on a podcast right now, I can't show you something. So how do we describe things? We use our words. That's the same way that you want to be able to do that in a pin description. Pretend like they can't see that product image. Pretend like they don't understand anything about that product. Tell a story, be descriptive, and then make sure you include the click through to see more or pick your design or choose your color or whatever it is that you tell them to do so that they actually take that action. For my call to action on Pinterest, the way I try to visually describe it with my words is we have three kids. I will go downstairs in the living room. That's where our playroom is. And I'll be walking around and I am very like, I'm not diagnosed OCD, but I am very OCD about keeping the house clean, (laughs) as many moms are. And so I will look around and see a bunch of stuff out and not picked up. So I'll start picking it up and I get very frustrated because my husband may be sitting on the couch reading a book or just sitting there and playing on his phone or whatever it is. And I can't get frustrated because I have not verbally told him that I need help picking up the living room. He doesn't know that I want help cleaning up the house if I don't say I want help cleaning up the house. So That's my way to relate my family life back to Pinterest, right? People are coming to you and they don't know who you are. They don't know your personality. They are not mind readers. So in your description, in your title, be very, very precise. Make sure you have those keywords and then tell them in a nice, polite way what you want them to do. Do you want them to click through to purchase? then tell them that because they're not going to read your mind to know that if they click through this image, it's going to take them to where they can actually physically buy it. Right. This has been a great explanation because for sure what you're saying to all of us is don't just take that description that you have on your website, copy it, put it on Pinterest with a picture, put a link and be done. 
100%. You know, you need to add some personality, talk about the product. And the thing that I like about this so much, Laura, is it's also getting a potential customer to know the artist, to have a little glimpse into their life, like you with your children. Absolutely. We know you better just by telling us that. Absolutely. And they're going to read the description on your website because you're using Pinterest to lead back there. So essentially, if all you're doing is copying and pasting that, you're losing out on the ability to tell that story more or include different keywords Mm -hmm. that pick up a different audience. Would you ever tease them a little bit, like share all the information with all the keywords to get them going and then say something like, there's something else really cool about this product. Click here and you'll find out. Yeah, absolutely. Curiosity is a big piece of the puzzle with this. So especially creating that curiosity in the images, maybe you show a behind the scenes that's not a fully finished product in your pin. And then you say something like that in the description, like check out the finished product here or check out this really cool addition not shown in the image. Oh, I like that. Yeah, because if you're doing this for a product purchase, you're trying to get them to click to come over to the site because they're one step closer to that buy button then. Absolutely. Okay, wonderful. So then what about if you're doing an article? And we very recently also started talking more about why having a blog is valuable to a product-based business. And so what do you feel? We know that you can put articles or links or photos to articles on Pinterest. What else can you tell us about that? Isn't this conversation with Laura amazing? We're going to get more tips on how to use Pinterest right after a quick break. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How, you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, Happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. You can do a number of different things. So you have a static pin image that you can do on Pinterest, which I suggest looking into text-only images, your product shot, maybe behind-the-scenes shot. You also have the ability to do something called story pins. This is really cool for product-based business owners right now. The downfall with story pins is you're not allowed to link to anywhere. It's more for brand awareness and having a longer time period to tell them your story. So this is cool because they can follow you at the end automatically from seeing your story. And unlike Instagram or other social platforms, it stays up forever. It does not go away in 24 hours. So you can do like videos showing them how you make a product. You can show them the final touches, maybe tell them the process of how you got started with this product. But you have 
five to seven different images you can put together or different videos you can do as short clips to really show them your personality, show them the product, show them your store, whatever it is you want to do, and then build that brand awareness that way. And the third opportunity you have, which is linkable like static pins, is video pins. I suggest if you're going to do a video pin to keep it short and sweet. Again, this would be a fun way to kind of get them to want more information so you can give them a quick, short, sweet 20-second snippet of something you're working on or maybe you're pre-selling an item and it's not out on market yet. Things like that can really be fun in terms of the videos and then you can include the link back to where the product will actually be. Okay. And are these videos... Can they just be off-the-cuff casual videos like an Instagram story is, or should they be more professionally done? No, you can actually do off-the-cuff. We have tested professionally done videos versus just off-the-cuff videos. We haven't noticed a big difference between the two. I think it's just like now, like I have a four-month-old sitting on my lap bouncing while we're doing this podcast recording. That's just real life, right? And people like that. People like the transparency Mm -hmm. behind seeing something like that. So I think sometimes when we see videos that are really professionally done, we don't get the full aspect of that personality or that person. And we're not drawn to them like we would be if they're just off the cuff videos. And again, this is my personal preference. It may be different for other individuals, but there isn't a big difference between the two. So don't run out if you don't have a professional photographer or professional videographer and try to pay for one just to do these. You can take them and record them on your phone and then put them up there. You can also take clips, like if you've done maybe a live stream on Facebook selling different items. Take a clip of one of those live streams and use that as an interest to lead back to that product because you were selling it live. I love that. That makes a lot of sense to me. Perfect. Okay. And so the other thing I'm wondering when I'm thinking of product-specific images, I do know when you do blog articles or I know when we're putting up direction to our podcasts over on Pinterest that you can do multiple images, text posts, text images, product images, different types of things that all lead back to the same link. Yep. So I'm glad you brought this up. Yes. One of the major changes recently has been to create fresh pins. And that's really loosely defined by Pinterest. So there's a lot of information out there as to how other people are interpreting fresh pins. The way I teach and the way I'm telling my clients we're handling it for them is we're playing on the safe side of fresh pins, meaning if we have one product, we will create five to seven different images that lead back to that one product, whether that's a video, a static pin, story pin, whatever, but then we will schedule those videos, those pins out in a longer interval. Meaning I probably will only put one or two of those images or videos up within 30 days so that I can make sure I'm not spamming the platform. Months ago, even a few years back, you would be able to put one pin up to one board the next day, take that same pin and pin it to a different board. 
that's no longer best practice. So be very careful in doing that because Pinterest will actually consider that as spam and trying to game the system to get people back to that link. So you want to focus on making everything different. The images need to be different. The description needs to be different. The URL can be the same, but make sure it's scheduled out at different times and give yourself at least a week. I err on the side of two weeks just because I don't want any issues with the platform. We've seen great growth by doing it that way, but that's personal preference in regards to how long the interval should be. Okay, so let me restate this to you. Tell me if I got this right, Laura. For sure. I have a product. I take a number of different photos. Maybe one's a close-up, maybe one's more of a lifestyle. You know, it's a piece that's on a table in a house or something like that. I do a video, just a number of different types of images. So the images are all different. And then my descriptions or the wording behind those images are different. One might be a story, one might be something about making the product, one might be how the product makes you feel, one might be why it would be a good gift, all of those types of things. But all of them lead to the same link because it's the product that you would want to purchase. And then, so you could batch all that and do that all at the same time, but then only put one of those images out let's say every couple of weeks, right? You got it. And so then I'm thinking as someone continues to do this, the first times you do this, you only have a couple things because you have only, let's say, five of one product. But then you go and do your second product. You now have five of that second product. And as you're scheduling things out, it all builds on itself. Correct. Yep. And so this is another thing I kind of go against the grain with. A lot of people say you should be pinning 15 to 25 times a day. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I go completely against that. I say the platform strictly requests that you stay consistent. Mm. So what does consistent mean for you? Does consistent mean pinning one image every day? Does it mean one image every other day until you have built up that repertoire and repurposing? And also think about it like, what can you batch out, right? I like to educate people to try to be able to get at least seven days scheduled out within less than one hour a week. And that really goes back to my mantra of not trading your sleep for success. So if you can consistently do that, then that's where you should start. Just be very aware of what you're going to be able to keep up with because you will be rewarded for being consistent. Spinning off of that, I know that Pinterest is a long play. Put things up and your people who find you, interact with you, jump over to your products and then hopefully buy, right, will happen over time. And for sure, I'm not even going to ask you this question because I know your answer already. Like, it's different for everybody. How do you know if what you're doing, and let's take your hour a week, for example, how do you know if it's going to produce results down the road? Because it is a longer play. How much time should you put in? What should you look for knowing that all of those are averages because it's going to be different for everybody? Yeah, so I absolutely love that you asked how long, right, should you go for? 
I personally request everybody try it for 90 days consistently. That's actually full disclosure in my contract when starting with clients is it's a 90 day contract and then we do every 30 days after that. The reason being is every 30 days I set a goal with my clients saying, okay, what is your good, better and best goal? Is your good goal to have product images and branding and really start that brand awareness in the first 30 days? And then this next 60 days, you want to have good branding, good brand awareness and click throughs to your landing page. Then maybe in the 90 days, you'd like to see two sales come in, whatever it is. Make sure you set that goal ahead of time. So then you can go back to the platform and look at your analytics. And I personally love the amount of information that Pinterest gives you for free. Now, in terms of your analytics, I want you to look at them on a desktop because when you're looking at your analytics on a mobile device, it does not give you all the capabilities that they give you on a desktop. On your computer, you can actually see audience insights based on what they've been interested in, how they've clicked through, if they've saved your pins but not actually clicked through. Like there's loads of information out there for you on your profile when you have that business account. And then you go down the road of looking at things, what I call is a if this, then that, right? So if they have pulled your pin closer, meaning they've tapped on it, it was the only pin that they saw on their screen, that's called a close-up. If they've done that, but they haven't clicked through, then maybe you should look at your call to action. Did you tell them what you wanted them to do, right? If they've pulled it up closer, they clicked through, but they didn't purchase, then Maybe you look at, okay, they clicked through, so my pin had a call to action that got them to do that action, but maybe the correlation between the pin design, the description, and what's on my sales page wasn't connected well enough where they didn't see the need to purchase or they got confused thinking they weren't on the right site. So then you go back and start making those small changes. And there's always going to be a, if this happened, then check this out. And I can make changes to those pins. They're not brand new pins. They're edits to a current pin. Great question. I would tell you to create a new pin because in my opinion, editing an old pin that's already been out there, that's not bringing in the results you want is not going to help especially with the fact that you have to create fresh content. So now you're just creating new fresh content. If that means making one tweak, maybe you didn't have the call to action on the image, use that same image, put the call to action on there, and then put it back up there. Now see what happens, right? It's the same as if you A-B tested it, but you've given it some time to see how the algorithm picks up and how your audience reacts to the pin that you shared. Okay. And then should you pull down that other one? No, I actually have pins that were from years ago. They still lead to old blog posts on my site. And I edited the blog posts to say like, I no longer offer this service, but it still brings the traffic to my site. So now they can learn who I am. I leave them up there. I've actually had people still contact me for Pinterest services or my Pinterest course because they found me from a blog post I did on Facebook Lives. 
Got it. Wonderful. This is great, great information. And the thing that I want to point out to everybody, I don't know that you caught it, so I want to make sure that you're understanding is success on a pin isn't always only sale of the product that you had driven that person to. It starts with attracting people on Pinterest to knowing who you are. It might be that. You might be analyzing it based on the click-throughs and then ultimately the sales. But all of this starts to happen over time. Correct. Yeah, really important. You may not have a sale yet, but your Pinterest strategy, if you're just starting, might be working because you're seeing that people are coming over to your website. Absolutely. So, And sometimes people have to see things more than once. They're not just automatically going to make a purchase. They have to start feeling more comfortable with you which is also what the stories as the wording of your pin will help with. Yeah. And the nice thing is with those stories, like I said, is Pinterest puts that follow button at the end of them for you. So then they can start to see more of you and start to learn more about what you offer and the products that you're selling and who you are and then finish on to that purchase. I personally have had things in my cart for weeks. I mean, it's not necessarily because I don't trust the person. It may be because I got distracted with my kids or I didn't feel the urgency to purchase it right then. But four days later, I was like, oh, yeah, I still need that. And I'll go back and purchase it then. So just make sure I'm so glad that you called that out when I said it, because it is a really big part of your strategy. Just make sure you're not focusing your results and your ROI on only sales because it doesn't mean that you are a failure if you didn't get that sale the first time they clicked. That is such good information. It's hard for us not to because that seems like the ultimate always, especially with product-based businesses. Of course. But there's a way to get there. You just don't jump in on an airplane and all of a sudden you're there. You have to fly there first. Yeah. It's the same type of thing as just tracking. But this is the path to knowing if you're getting to that sale. If you're seeing those steps are being taken, then that's an initial indicator. I guess that would be a good way to say it, that what you're doing is going to prove fruitful later. Absolutely. That you're making progress. So this has been fabulous. I would love to just touch quickly on ads. I know there's probably a lot to ads, but just share with us what ads mean on Pinterest and any kind of basic information that you think would be valuable. Yeah, advertising on Pinterest, I mean, to me, a blast and a half. (laughs) (laughs) I love that wording. Perfect. (laughs) I love it. I think it's great. I think you have a lot more potential than some other platforms that you can do ads with just because of the targeting piece. We kind of touched on it when I said like, look at your analytics and you can find the information about their interests and their categories that they're searching for on the platform. So you really are targeting more of their hobbies and their psychographics than you are their demographics, which is really fun for us product-based business owners because we know, you know, what their hobbies are for some of our products. We know what they enjoy doing, who that type of person really is, but we might not always have it dialed in like, are they ages 20 to 50, right? Because sometimes some people are doing projects when they're retired. And sometimes people are doing projects when they're in high school. So 
I love to focus on those categories and interests with our ads because that really is where we can start to target people specific to what our product actually reaches. I don't know where to take this because we'll get too far into the ad (laughs) thing here. I think this is important just to know at this point that ads are available on Pinterest. It's a whole different thing. A comparison between Facebook ads and Pinterest ads just as a statement makes sense here, Laura? Yeah, so I've actually done an apples to apples ad leading to the same place using the same image from Facebook and Pinterest. And I actually saw a greater return for a lesser investment on my Pinterest ad than I did on Facebook. And what I will say is, I only left it up for a short amount of time because Facebook optimizes right away, meaning they will start showing it to the right people right away and you can start seeing sales right away. But with Pinterest ads, while you can see sales right away and you can get the traction early for what you want, it still works like a long-term based platform because your cost per acquisition or money invested into those ads can actually decrease over time as that pin starts to rank in the algorithm organically and you start to get more in terms of the search. Okay, so this is really exciting to me and also leads to some strategy here, I think. It's exciting because you don't continually have to pay necessarily the same amount to get each viewer. You're saying it goes goes down. But also, we need to think of what we're promoting a little bit differently because it can't just be a weekend promotion like you would maybe do over in Facebook. Because to get the full value, you want something that you would be willing to put on promotion over the course of time. Correct. And if it's going to be something like I will still promote when I do a masterclass or a live training or things like that, but you want to give yourself more time ahead of the ball game. So if your product is coming out, but it hasn't been released, maybe start your ad to an email lead generation 30 days before, right? So that it can optimize and have that time to grow, but you still have a way to capture the people interested in purchasing. If the product's already out there and you're going to do a sale, maybe start that ad two weeks before the sale is going to happen so that they can constantly be thinking about it and clicking through. And then when the sale happens, they'll be like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. So there's just different ways to think about it. It is a long-term strategy. Don't get me wrong, Facebook can be long-term as well. I'm not saying don't do Facebook or anything like that. I'm just saying they work differently in the way that they optimize. So the strategy can't be the same. That all goes back to the fact that we're not even comparing apples to apples. Correct. Yep. You know, Facebook's social and Pinterest is search. Absolutely. But I think the point is really important to be made here that you don't treat them the same with posting or advertising. They're different. And they each conserve a different purpose and are used in different ways. Yep. Whether you even know what those purposes or ways are yet or not. Oh, this has been so interesting. I do have one more question that I do have to ask you, and this did come from the community. So I would be in huge trouble if I didn't include this in. But where do hashtags play a role, if any, in Pinterest? Great question. 
So I love hashtags with Pinterest. It is not the forefront of my strategy is what I will say. We have seen Pinterest say no hashtags, yes hashtags, slow down on hashtags. I mean, they're kind of all over the board with them. Really what I have told people to do is use it as a filler. So once you are done telling your story in the description, if you still have characters left, find a keyword that you were not able to fit into a sentence and turn it into a hashtag. I suggest don't do any more than three to five. Really first focus on filling up that description as much as you can with the character limit you're given. And then if you can't fit another full sentence, but you can fit a hashtag or two, go ahead and add them there. We've seen people who have done like half hashtag, half description, and it worked well in the beginning when they brought those hashtags back in on the platform. And now they're starting to see a big decrease because they focused too heavily on it, right? So just make sure you have a fluid strategy. Make sure it's a part of your strategy, but not the biggest part where when they say yes or no or maybe, you're kind of left out high and dry. Got it. That makes total sense. And actually, to me, it's kind of a relief, <laughs> you know, to hear that. Yeah. You know, a couple, the idea of what you really think describes what you're talking about, but doesn't fit in naturally to your post wording. You can just put it as a hashtag. That's beautiful. I love that. And nice and short and sweet, three and five, and then that's done. Perfect. Yep. Just make sure they're always relatable. Like if we're talking about jewelry, don't go out there and then do a hashtag about gardening just because you think the people that are going to purchase your jewelry are gardeners, right? Make sure they're still relatable to what you're actually presenting to them. Okay, what you're talking about and what your image is, both. Yep. Yeah, because those should relate anyway, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> together. So. 100%. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Well, you are so knowledgeable on Pinterest. It is just absolutely amazing. I've learned some things here. That's the one of the perks <laughs> of being in, able to talk with you. Yeah. Where would we send people who want to learn more about what you offer? Of course. Yeah. I think the best place for people to start is laurareich.com forward slash jumpstart. That's going to be the easiest way for you to really figure out those foundational pieces that you need to start to get Pinterest working for you. And then if you're already somebody who's been on the platform forever and maybe you're seeing a dip or you're struggling to create that strategy, if you just want to follow me on social media or look at my blogs on my website, there's a lot of information that we've been putting out recently to really help with the changes that Pinterest has been making over the past few months. Beautiful. So here's a test question for you, Laura. Yeah. Are those blog articles linked with pins on Pinterest? Absolutely. <laughs> Ta-ting, you passed. <laughs> <laughs> yep, they are. We have multiple pin images for almost every single one of them. Wonderful. <laughs> actually following what I'm telling people to do. <laughs> yeah. So you're not just telling people, you're actually walking the walk, as they say. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, everything I teach in my courses, actually, I've tested myself either on my account or my clients' accounts that allow me to test. So it's really fun to be able to have the knowledge to say, look, I've done this, right? Like, I'm not just going out there and saying, hey, this is what they say to do. Like, I'm showing you, I am in the weeds with you guys, right? 
I may not have physical products like some of you on this podcast, but I have digital products as well. So I am still trudging through everything, working on my strategy all the time. I'm right there with you guys. Wonderful. Perfect. And where do you see yourself going from here? You know, I loved this question and I had so many answers. I think the biggest thing for me is really everything comes back to my family and everything I do in my business is to be able to support them in some way, whether that's supporting them at taking a day off when they need me to be home or just hanging out, right? Like snuggling and things like that. So my goal that I foresee working towards for my business is to be able to make enough money that I can pay myself to be able to purchase a cabin and a boat for my kids. We are out here in Minnesota and there's a lot of activities in the wintertime, but in the summertime, I really love going fishing with them. So I want to be able to have my own space that I can take them during this pandemic and everything that's going on and just say, hey, it's safe here. Let's have a blast. And it's somewhere outside of the house. It feels like a vacation. So my goal is to be able to serve enough clients well enough that we build that long lasting relationship so that I can pay myself enough to purchase a cabin and a boat for my family. That feels so good. I can see it now already. Yep. (laughs) I love it. We love fishing. We are water kids and families. It's going to happen. I'm telling you. (laughs) It will. Well, you're putting it out in the universe right now. That's how I roll that manifestation thing. I actually used to run a sales force out of Minneapolis, even though I'm in Chicago. So I was up in Mini once a month for years and years and years. And so I know the area well and how beautiful it is and all the lakes and all of that. It's gorgeous. You're absolutely in the right area to make that happen. That's for sure. Yep, absolutely. And so I actually, I love manifesting as well. So I actually talk typically to people like it's already happened. What is in my cabin? I know that we have a porch out the back where I can sit on the chairs and there's a bonfire and a little beach that the kids can go play on while we're grilling. And so I will talk about the actuals of what it's going to be, even though I don't even know where it's going to (laughs) be. Yeah, but isn't that crazy how you do that? And then when it actually is reality, it so matches what your vision was. Yeah, and it's helpful because you feel like you're already there. And it's not a how do I get this done? It's when do I get this done? Right, you're kind of planning the journey already. And there's joy in just the planning too. Absolutely. All right. So is there a Pinterest board on this in your personal account? It is a secret board yeah. in my account. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you caught me. Somehow I knew the answer to that one. <laughs> yeah, I have a few secret boards. I am a sewer. So I have a secret board on sewing with my mom. Oh, well, so that totally relates to people who are listening here for sure. Yeah. Yep. Wonderful. Well, Laura, you have been so much fun. In addition to sharing so much information, we could go on forever, but I am quite sure that Bailey would like a little bit of your time. She actually fell asleep. (laughs) I guess we're going to have to say goodbye. But again, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute blast. 
Now you can see why I've stopped in my tracks and am looking even deeper into Pinterest. The idea of posting content that will be used into the future is super appealing to me. Of course, I'll still be on other social media sites too, but the investment of time and energy here is well worth it for me and for you. Make sure to catch the show next Monday where we'll be talking with a handmade product business owner who's changed her target market and is now reaping the rewards of that change. She'll share the why and the how behind making this happen. Thank you for spending time with me today. If you'd like to show support for the podcast, a rating and review would be fabulous. You probably hear this on a lot of podcasts if you listen to many shows. And we do this because it's a really nice thank you for us putting together these podcasts. But the other thing is it helps our show get seen by more makers. So for you, it's a great way to pay it forward to our community. Also, make sure to follow the podcast because when you do that, episodes are automatically downloaded to your phone. And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you again next week on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today, 